Hello and welcome finally to weekly <laughs> MTG, we, we think, as long as nothing else explodes. Yeah. Um, I assume that you can see us. We don't, we don't actually we, know. We, um, yeah, maybe. Our producer, Sean's on fire. Yep. Uh, he's just running around in the background. We don't really know what's happening, but uh, we're here. Thank you for uh, your patience, by the way, for waiting for around. For those of you, you who waited. stuck with yeah, us. Thank you. Um, we are here. We're going to talk about Popper. That's what uh, a lot of people are here to uh, hear about. Uh, but we're going to start talking a little bit about Mythic Championship 3. Uh, and then we'll move into Popper. And I'll tell you why we're waiting on Popper for just a second. Um, but with me today uh, is Ian Duke and Gavin Verhey, both from the Tabletop Studio. Welcome, guys. Thanks, great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Uh, thank so, you for your patience, too. <laughs> yeah, thank you for your patience. <laughs> we just sat here for a while, yeah. and uh, we threw things at Ian. It was, it was a good time. The great thing about magic is there's always something to talk about. There's always right. something to talk about, yeah. We told Gerard Fabiano stories, and yeah, <laughs> bad beats and chaos drafts. Um, anyway, that's not what you're here for. What you're here for probably is the pauper news, uh, which we're going to get to in a couple minutes. Um, but I want to talk about Mythic Championship 3. We had some assets that we were going to show, but uh, they were set on fire along with our producer, Sean. Uh, so instead, I just kind of want to get your guys' quick thoughts on what were the highlights for the weekend for you. Let's start with you, Ian. Well, I mean, first off, I want to say the production quality of the whole show was just awesome, just amazingly entertaining and exciting. Um, but of course, you know, when I'm watching a tournament like that, I'm thinking about what does the metagame look like? Is standard looking healthy? Is it looking diverse? And by all of our metrics, you know, I was really, really pleased with how the tournament went. You know, we mm -hmm. had three different decks in the top four. We had players who qualified through all three, all, all three different means, um, special invite, qualifying through Arena, and also through the MPL four different countries in the top four, at least 10 plus different decks that players registered. So mm -hmm. yeah, overall very pleased. Okay, Gavin, what about you? It lo looks like a lot of fun right now. Mm -hmm. um, definitely seeing uh, seeing that Nexus of Fate top deck at mm -hmm. the end, that was awesome. Yeah. That was such an awesome moment. If you haven't checked out the uh, this video behind the scenes where Paul Chion's like flipping out and when the <laughs> Nexus of Fate is drawn, it's super awesome. But yeah, the standard format looks super healthy. It looks pretty fun to play. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what M20 adds to the environment. Yeah, we had a video clip of it, but I think it's in the computer that's smoking off to the side over there. <laughs> yeah. um, Sorry. <laughs> Ian, uh, what was your kind of what was your favorite deck from the Mythic? So I really loved there were two players who registered Grixis decks, but they were both very, very different decks. Um, okay. one was my brother who yep. played uh, an eight bolus uh, Grixis deck nice. for uh, Nicol Bolas Ravager and, and four of the um, the new Planeswalker from War of the Spark. Uh, so that was really cool. It's actually coincidentally very similar to a deck I played a lot in the FFL. So, mm -hmm. you know, great minds think alike, or it runs in the family, or however you want to put it. <laughs> and then the other one was uh, Yuki Matsuda had a Grixis Amass deck mm -hmm. built around a lot of the War, War of the Spark Amass cards, and that was really cool and unique as well. So, yeah. happy to see those. Uh, Gavin, what'd you like? Um, my, my favorite, I mean, I, I'm always a red guy, so seeing Shahar make top four with the red deck, that was really nice. Yep. Uh, Eternal Frenzy continuing to still be a powerful card. We saw that in Guilds of Ravnica originally mm -hmm. and adds so much uh, gas potentially to uh, to your uh, I don't know, to your arsenal. Yeah. I don't know. Just a lot of a lot of like I said, cool dice, cool archetypes and excited to see what uh, what the future brings for the format. Yeah. So the top four for those who didn't get to see it, and if you if you didn't get to see it, I highly recommend going to check it out. Uh, you can just check out our video archives on Twitch page right now and see all of the coverage. Your chat. You happy? <laughs> Are we, are we um, it up yeah, here? the the Wooberg. Order. We gotta get those Grixis colors together after yeah. talking about Jeff Bolas. <laughs> not let it stand. Um, the uh, the top four were consisted of Brad Nelson, 
uh, Matthias Leverado, Shahar Shenhar, and Kai Buda. And uh, there was a broad section of, of players there, too, as you mentioned. Three different ways to qualify. Um, and Kai, Kai was a big story. How cool was it seeing him? It was so great seeing him back in action, right? Mm -hmm. Like the player that I watched growing up, mm -hmm. someone who has been in the Magic ecosystem for so long, going on, playing on Arena. That's just fantastic to see that he's been here for so long and is still at the top of his game mm -hmm. in his peak performance. I mean, you know, one of the top three consensus players of all time, I would say. Yeah, well, and even if Kai's at like 80%, that's still good <laughs> enough to make Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. That's just what he does. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Ian, what do you think of... No player has embodied standard more than Brad Nelson, and it seems like if you throw a standard-only event in front of him, he's an automatic to top eight. How, how do you think he does that, where he consistently stays on top of it? Yeah, it's really been an amazing thing. He's, he's really made himself into a standard specialist over the years, and I think a lot of it is just keeping up with the week-to-week. -week. You know, standard is a format where things are changing, you know, on an almost day-to-day -day basis. So keeping up with Magic Online trends and what did well in last week's tournament and just trying to stay one step ahead of the game, I mm -hmm. think that's really where, where Brad has shown his expertise. Yeah, and for a player like Brad, he really came up through Magic Online. He's so used to following those trends and staying on top of it that, yeah, that probably goes, goes a long mm -hmm. way. Yep. And how closely did the, the decks and metagame match uh, what you guys were playing in the Future Future League? Uh, pretty close, but there are always differences. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we design the game in such a way that it's deep enough that we can't solve it internally with you know a dozen or so playtesters. If we could, it would be you know solved right away in the real yep. world. So we expect to see some changes from what you know we were playing with. Um, that being said, we did have a lot of the decks that showed up um, at this tournament have been showing up in standard recently. You know, certainly red and white aggressive decks. Uh, certainly Gruul decks we played a lot of, Grixis decks we played a lot of. Uh, surprisingly, we had decks that looked really similar to the Bant Ramp decks that people are playing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had quite a bit of Esper in our FFL as well, but we were more on the controlling side of Esper. And I think part of that was um, not realizing quite how impactful uh, Teferi Time Raveler would be, so we were playing more like counterspell control decks, mm -hmm. whereas that's, uh, they're, they're pretty harshly hated out by Teferi in the current metagame right now, which has created pretty interesting dynamics. You know, We've seen people going really far up the curve with huge spells like Command the Dread Horde and Mass Manipulation, yep. which we weren't playing as much of because we had more counter spells in our environment. Yeah. Right, often an answer to those endgame decks is to have counter magic to stop them if the fairy shuts that down right. entirely. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Um, and how great was it seeing uh, Matthias Leverado? Uh, <laughs> Matthias was awesome. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, it was really cool to see him rise up the ranks in uh, Magic the Gathering Arena. Mm -hmm. And uh, and obviously he's been playing for a really long time, but to see him make it this level of the tournament, playing on Arena, uh, getting all the way there, and then that finals between him and Brad Nelson was just fantastic. I mean, that top deck Civic ne Nexus. Oh, man. Uh, sorry, Nexus of Fate just sort of, it blew up. It was crazy yep. to see that happen. It's uh, it's those kind of moments that make magic worth watching. So. And it felt like that would go down in history alongside like Lightning Helix the and things lightning, like that. It was like Helix a crazy moment. Top. You have yeah. a great reaction. You yeah. have him yeah. fist pumping when it happens. And you, if you watch like their reactions, right? Like he's like excited, and Brad's like, oh no, he's fist pumping, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like clearly something bad is about to happen to me. It was I, perfect. Yeah, one of the coolest things for me about uh, Matias' success here is that. Um, the Nexus deck that he's been playing, he actually qualified for the tournament with that deck. Mm -hmm. He's just been playing it all season long, and it's sort of his pet deck. And even though it wasn't one regarded as one of the top decks coming into the tournament, the fact that someone can you know play their favorite deck and have a lot of success with it, even if it's not widely regarded as a top deck, I think that speaks really well for the diversity of standard. Yeah. And it goes to show that as a player out there, if there's a deck you love, keep playing it. Absolutely. And, like, it can always be playable, right? Like You can always be good enough to win the tournament if you're yeah. just really dedicated, you know the deck inside and out. Yep. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think we've vamped enough. Uh, I wanted to give people time to get back in the stream after abandoning ship when all uh, heck bro broke loose. And we had to reset and some graphics had to be rebuilt. We had to so reset and some <laughs> yeah. things had to happen and Sean is no longer on fire. So that sprinkler system came on. The sprinkler system know. came on. Someone came in here with a fire extinguisher. Rosebud's uh, in a chicken suit out there somewhere. Yeah. That's, like, that's just a Thursday. That yeah. happens. Uh, but we want to talk about Popper. So we've kind of been vamping this Popper announcement for a couple uh, for a week now, and we've seen a lot of guesses as to what it is. But Gavin, set the stage for us. Popper's been in kind of a weird place, right? Yeah. So Popper has been on Magic Online for a long time. It's kind of a format people play there. And last year, really at the start of last year, I'd say in January, there was started to be a big community upswelling around it, guided by people like the Professor, and then Channel Fireball started running events at their Magic Fest for it, and we started to see this popularity grow and grow and grow. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I worked on uh, last year is I kind of took a little research project of, okay, maybe I'll go to some of these popper events and kind of see what was going on. And, you know, first of all, I just started really enjoying the format. It's a lot of fun to play. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in it. You get to play some of your old favorites, like get your brainstorms, you know, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and But also the community really, really enjoyed the format. And there were some... Um, you know, it was, it was available online, and there were these kind of events being run on the side, but there wasn't necessarily a way to run them fully sanctioned, or at least, you know, at, at a higher than casual level. So I kind of took, came back and wrote an email and, uh, to Mike Turian and Aaron Forsyth and some of the others, and it turns out that Turian and Forsyth had already been talking about some stuff for Popper, and, well, what fell out next is, is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're going to throw a bunch of information at you now. If you have questions about anything that we're about to say, uh, just throw them in chat. Steve and I are watching, and we'll bring up the questions uh, probably towards the end. We're going to get through all the information first and talk a little bit about Because your philosophy. questions might get answered. They might get answered. They might get answered. Uh, but we'll, we'll write them down here, and uh, we'll get back to it. So, um, Ian, we're making some changes for right. Popper. Okay, so first let me just tell everyone what the changes are, and mm -hmm. then I'll kind of go into the motivations, the details. So the biggest thing that's happening here is we are unifying the Popper legality rules between digital expressions of magic and tabletop expressions. Mm -hmm. And so the change that's happening is any card that is printed at common in a set either on Magic Online or in tabletop in Paper Magic will be legal in Popper, of course, minus the banned list, and we'll yep. get to that in just a little bit. Uh, so that's the first change. And the second is also we are officially recognizing Popper that you can schedule um, Popper events in Wizards Event Reporter as well. So giving it some more kind of formal support. So you don't have to sanction it casually. It's literally you, on uh, Wizards Event Reporter, you select Popper event. Absolutely. And I think that's going to be great for both the community and also for us because we're going to be able to gather more data on who's playing Popper and where and so on and so forth. Now, when, when you say you're unifying formats, how many, uh, do you know approximately how many cards are entering the format? I want to say, that's a really good question. You're putting me on the spot here. I want to say I it's, a, it's around a couple hundred cards, okay. I would say, yes. Um, so the reason we're doing this is, um, as Gavin mentioned earlier, we saw people playing Popper in a bunch of different contexts, right? Some folks played it on Magic Online. Other folks were playing it at you know, side events at Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. Other times at you know, sort of more local kind of grassroots community type, type situations. And each of these different ways to play kind of had their own rules uh, in many cases. Um, so Magic Online, of course, using the legality of whatever was printed at Common and Magic Online. Mm -hmm. Other folks who were playing in Tabletop were using whatever was printed at Common in Tabletop, but not things that were only printed at Common and Magic Online. Mm -hmm. And so things were getting messy pretty quickly. So we decided to take the opportunity and kind of clean everything up and just unify all the rules there. And we had a couple different paths we could take. We could either go with 
the Magic Online rules, which were popular, so things printed at Common in Magic Online, but not things printed at Common in paper, but not on Magic Online. That was mm -hmm. one option. The other would be the reverse, to go with things that were printed at Common in paper and ignore things that were only printed at Common in Magic Online. A third option would be to go with sort of the intersection, things that were printed at Common in both paper and in Magic Online. And then the fourth would be what we had decided to go with, which is things printed at Common in either paper or Magic Online. Mm -hmm. And we decided after talking about it a lot and thinking about the different communities and, and sort of what folks would want, that going with kind of the broadest, um, all-encompassing approach was the right thing here. So for those who were, were previously playing Pauper on Magic Online, you'll now have new cards that you can play with in Tabletop and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Right, it was important to us to not get rid of anyone's deck, right? So Absolutely. if you were playing online or even in paper and there were cards on the old legality, we don't want, we don't want to take, say, a Chainer's Edict or something out of the format and really hurt your ability to, to play. Right. 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 Battle Screech or these other Yep, absolutely. Comments. Yep. yep. Uh, now, Gavin, uh, when you were out playing Pauper and, and checking in with playgroups, how much of a split did you see, you know, playgroups in real life playing the Mitko set or the paper set or the combination of the two? You know, you see a lot more of the Magic Online legality, but that was part of the mess, right? The fact that different areas had right. different rules. Um, local a Card Kingdom, for example, would run popper events that would use um, a mix of the two ban lists and mm -hmm. have other cards that were legal, and so it was kind of confusing, and a lot of people were talking about popper during this time. Mm -hmm. The community was really excited about it, but it wasn't really clear. There wasn't a unified language as to what legal meant or didn't mean. Mm -hmm. And so now, finally, we have a really clear list. It'll be on our website. It'll be in Gatherer coming up soon. Mm -hmm. um, you'll be able to search for it. I believe on the, the 2nd of July, it goes online on mm -hmm. Magic Online. Yep. You'll be able to play it then. So we've got the whole thing laid out. And um, it's, for me, it's really exciting to be able to search, search yeah. for all these cards and build decks a lot easier. Yeah, so just to go over some of the key dates, uh, so Magic Online will be updated, as you just said, on July 2nd, is right. when all the Pauper changes will kick in. There'll be new Pauper Leagues. Um, if we'll you're watching wa this live, that's next week. That's next, next week. Next week. Yep. Um, we'll obviously be watching that closely. Um, and then uh, Gather is being updated. So right. Gather is going to be updated to where, because right now you can search for things by if it's in Standard, if it's in Modern. Pauper Legality is going to be a search option on Gather on July 9th. Uh, that, again, is with the M20 update. Uh, note that currently you can search on Gatherer for cards that are have common printings, and that will give you legality minus the BNR list. Uh, but on 7.9, we'll actually have the functionality where you can search by Pauper Legality. Um, and then as for sanctioning, uh, my understanding is that that is actually already available. Check with your local stores if you want to sanction a pauper tournament first to make sure that everything's working that way. But uh, I believe that either is uh, available or will be today. And, and uh, Ian alluded to this earlier, mm -hmm. but something I'm so excited about is Popper really grew up through the community. So it was through the great work of people and local communities talking about it that we mm -hmm. got to where we are right now. And that's a great first step from going from a Magic Online only format to, hey, we are recognizing this in paper. It's, it has, you know... WER functionality, it's online, uh, et cetera. Um, now we can get all that data in and see how much popper is being played around the world, how often these tournaments are firing. It gives stores the tools they need to run these tournaments. So if you want to see popper become bigger, I'm sure a popular question coming out of this will be, how can we get to the next level with popper? Mm -hmm. can talk to your local store, have them run an event. That's a great way to show us, hey, there's this support around the world yeah. for this. Yeah, before all pauper tournaments for us just went to a big bucket of casual, right. which could have been, they could have been commander leagues, they could have been someone who just didn't have enough people to fire a sanctioned draft. 
It could have meant anything. Mirrodin block. Mirrodin block constructed. <laughs> got, 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 got those arc sloggers and ready to dust them off. Right, yeah. Probably nope. not Mirrodin block constructed. But no ban no banless uh, no banless modern. Modern, yeah, yeah, it was in that yeah. bucket. So mm -hmm. uh, now we'll be able to tell, which will again lead to further iterations on on what is happening with Popper. Um, but speaking of what is happening, there are a lot of cards that are uh, new to the format that influence the format quite a bit. Oh, That's yeah. right. Uh, so we're gonna walk through some of them, including new additions to the banned list. That's right. So let's start with some of the cards that have been added but are not banned. So a big one, both in terms of damage and in terms of possibly resurrecting an archetype, is uh, Goblin Grenade. Oh, yeah. So uh, where, where do you think this puts goblins <laughs> now that... Uh, <laughs> thanks, Steve. <laughs> now that Goblin Grenade is legal. Because goblins has been kind of a, I would say, tier 2, tier 3-ish pauper deck for a while. What does this do for the Goblins deck? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a question mark here. I think certainly people will try it out. Um, this is definitely one of the more impactful cards that's being added to the environment. It could sort of resurrect this burn-heavy Goblins-type archetype, which I think did show up from time to time maybe around a couple years ago in Popper, but has kind of fallen out of favor a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a kind of a great opportunity where a deck that has kind of fallen down a little bit in the rankings might get a little bit of a boost and come back toward maybe more of a Tier 1-type spot, potentially. Yeah, Mono Red, not Goblins, has been a pretty, a pretty reasonable Popper deck for a little while now. Um, and this maybe even creates a whole new brand, right? Going back to that Goblin right. strategy, using Goblin General, I believe is the card <laughs> name, which we put at common in Vintage Masters, which right. is a great Goblin Lord. That's the attacks. two. Uh, oh, that one, yes, right. Yeah, the three mana 2-2 two, two, and it yep, attacks absolutely. all your Goblins, get plus one, plus one. Yep. A great pickup from like Starter, Starter yeah. or something like that. Um, and so there's, you know, some pretty good Goblin Tribal stuff going on, and maybe, yeah, going to have the creature-based strategy along with the burn would be a really nice way to, to finish this off. And plus, who doesn't love Goblins? Like, people <laughs> always love building these Goblin Tribal decks, and it'd be super cool to, yeah, see one take prominence of Popper. By the way, chat, we know that some of the images that we're showing do not have the common rarity symbol in the line. If you look in the bottom uh, left-hand corner of the image, yep. Uh, it should say where it was first printed at Common. Right, so yeah. Goblin Grenade being added by virtue of being a Common in Fallen Empires. Exactly. Which is not a set that exists one-to-one -one on Magic Online, and so it's being made legal because of the paper set. Yep. Right. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about some of these new cards, but if you're interested in what new deck archetypes are spawned, uh, the professor of Tolarian Community College fame, is going to actually do a stream immediately following this on his own channel, which is twitch.tv slash Tolarian Community College. We will rate it when this stream ends. So if you're here, we'll, we'll push you over in his direction. Um, and he actually has built some decks uh, as examples of new decks that are possible in this format. But uh, we've got some other cards that we can talk about, including... Mystic Remora. Oh yeah, yeah. This is yeah, this, this is, is a big one. This yeah. is a vintage playable card. That's right. That does a lot of work. Uh, this, by virtue of its Ice Age printing, what does this do for the format? Well, so it, first of all, I think it's really interesting that some of these cards have been legal in Card Kingdom tournaments in the past. So we've yeah. kind of seen some of them play out a little bit. Sure. And this is one that was a blue sideboard card, right? You'd really bring this in any kind of long blue control matchup, or if you're playing two Delver decks against each other, for right. example. You put it down for one mana, mm -hmm. and then all the non-creature spells your opponent casts for the next turn, or next couple turns, depending on how long you pay for that cumulative upkeep, mm -hmm. those draw cards off of them. Because four mana is a lot to pay for every non-creature spell you cast. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this will be huge in control decks, and also aggro 
kind of control tempo style decks where you know trying to get in for a bit of damage, you put this down, and all your opponent's removal spells just put you right back up cards. Yeah, right. Or if there's a combo deck that needs to play a flurry of non-creature spells, you know, in the, in the same turn in order to go off, and then maybe this is helping you dig to a counter spell or some sort of disruption or interaction. Yeah, th this is a really real exciting one. Plus. This is a great example of like a very wonky card that gets added in by this. Like it's got all this rules text on it. It's got cumulative you know, upkeep. <laughs> what's going on, right? But yeah, it's quite powerful and uh, I don't know, just a fun card to have around. It is a really fun and like I said, we've seen this card be um, a powerhouse in vintage sideboards and yeah, occasionally main right. decks. So it's certainly good enough for Popper. Uh, next up, we have a card. This was, I think, the first card when uh, Ian mentioned this card to me that clicked. That this okay. These additions actually change Pauper. This is a huge addition. Uh, it looks small, and I, I didn't even think about it because its original common printing was in Arabian Nights. Uh, but Desert. Desert is coming to the format. What does this mean for Pauper? Yeah, this should open up a lot of deck building decisions here. So first of all, this is a colorless option that any deck can use to protect themselves against aggressive small creature strategies. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a pretty big concession to your mana base, and you know mana bases in Pauper can be notoriously difficult um, to get to be robust enough as one would like. Um, so I think it's a really, really interesting option that a lot of decks are going to be able to employ. Mm -hmm. um, you might, may even see like Tron decks employ this, or more defensive blue decks. Uh, if they're mono blue, or maybe even some sort of more controlling mid-range deck using the Monarch or something along those lines. Um, so yeah, lots of options here, um, but also deck building concessions, so it should be interesting decision making. Yeah, interestingly, given that Popper is all commons, a lot of the creatures are pretty small, right? You have mm -hmm. a lot of 1-1s and 2-2s floating around, and Desert can make a really huge impact in those matchups against things like a blue Delver deck hitting their 1-1 Spellstutter sprites or their yeah, little Fairy Seers, things along those lines, mm -hmm. against Elves stopping some of that initial just small damage from hitting you. Linowar Elf isn't going to come in for damage anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so as someone, when I got into Popper and started doing this like a year, a year and a half ago, the first deck I, I built was Mono Blue Control with like four spikes and counter spells and like all the way up <laughs> right. the chain. And then they just play like a one drop on the first turn. You're like, uh-oh, what am I going to do right. with this? And it's in a format like Popper, you know, we, we don't often print common creature sweepers. You know, right. cards like um, you know, Day of Judgment or Pyroclasm, mm -hmm. those just aren't common effects. And so having something that can protect you against a swarm of small creatures is really a unique kind of thing in the context of Popper. So this is one yeah, that I agree has a huge impact and I'm excited to go brew with. Um, before we get to the banned cards, mm -hmm. the newly banned cards, I should say, um, I want to talk about kind of a weird section of cards being added to the format. Um, we're going to call this the, the Forked Bolt exception. <laughs> so, uh, where, Forked Bolt is now going to be in Pauper. Where was it printed? Okay, so, this, so this one particularly, this is one of the, the strangest <laughs> exceptions I came up with as I was doing my research here. Uh, Forked Bolt was printed originally at Uncommon in Rise of the Eldrazi, mm -hmm. but it was printed at Common in the dual deck Zendikar versus the Eldrazi, I think it's called, um, which coincidentally was one of the dual decks that wasn't printed on Magic Online. Mm -hmm. So it's in this weird spot where there is a common printing in Paper Magic, but only in this one supplemental product. Mm -hmm. So just to be clear, Forked Bolt will be legal by virtue of this rules change. It is one of the very strange exceptions. By and large, most of the cards printed in supplemental products like Dual Decks and other uh, are printed using their last printed rarity in paper. Mm -hmm. So very few rarities end up changing as a result of those. However, just to make things as simple as possible and just be able to go by the rule of if it has a common printing in Gatherer, it will be legal in Pauper, unless mm -hmm. it's on the ban list. Um, we did decide to include supplemental products like Dual Decks. And there, there are only a couple exceptions, and I think Forked Bolt is one of the cards that's 
one of the few cards that's actually quite relevant um, to the metagame. Mm -hmm. um, there may be some others that turn up in infringe cases and such, but um, yeah, just to be clear, those will be included, and there are a couple wacky exceptions like that. Well, and you know, since Popper has started on Magical Mind so long ago, dual decks have been no exception to this rule. Serrated mm -hmm. Arrows, for example, is in the Garrick versus Liliana dual deck, I believe, mm -hmm. and that's at Common, and that was a huge, huge addition to the format at the time. So there's a long and storied history of dual decks adding strange cards <laughs> into Popper, and Fork Bolt is just one more wonderful mm -hmm. example. Um, we have an answer to that question. Uh, so one of the questions we're getting in chat right now is what about cards that are printed at Common but not available on Magic Online? Fantastic question. So I actually had the opportunity to speak with the Magic Online team, and they are planning to watch how this plays out, listen to community feedback, and if there are cards that are made legal by virtue of being Common in, in Tabletop Magic but don't have versions on Magic Online at mm -hmm. all, that they will look to add those cards to Magic Online, maybe through treasure che treasure chests or some other promotional type thing. Mm -hmm. um, but they'll be they'll be certainly listening to community feedback and try to make those cards available um, if they are in demand. Yep, and, and we have precedent for this. Uh, Palace Jailer was a card that yep. people right. didn't realize when it was printed that it was going to have a legacy impact, mm -hmm. and it did. And so Magic Online printed it through treasure chest. So something similar can happen here if there are cards that people. Prof, who's doing some decks after this already, messaged me one particular card. Um, uh, should we tell them what the card is? No, we'll let, we'll okay. let Prof, we'll let Prof just, talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll let Prof all talk I'll about it. All I'll say is all four of us had to look it up on our phones. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty insane. Would have been. I at least remembered the artwork and which set it was The from. artwork <laughs> is gorgeous, but yeah, we'll, uh, anyway. Prof will talk about that card, and he may have others. That was the only one he brought up to me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we'll be watching that in Magic Online. So let's talk about the new BNR list. So before we get to the cards, uh, what was kind of the philosophy you went into this with? So essentially, we wanted to we wanted to leave things as open as possible. We did want to have um, new cards that would impact the format, create new decks, and shake things up a little bit. But that being said, with each new card that was being added, especially if it was a high-impact card, we asked ourselves, is this going to make the format more fun to play? Mm -hmm. So there were a few cards that we looked at from both a power level and a play pattern standpoint, and we said, hey, we think our best guess is that we're probably going to have to ban this card in the short term anyway, so we might as well just start it on the banned list. Um, but again, that being said, we tried to be as liberal as possible with things being legal. So to that end, there were three cards that we decided to start on the banned list in addition to the, the current existing Magic Online ban list. Uh, and those three cards are? Well, let's so bring up the first. <laughs> this twosome, so only one of these cards is banned, Okay. to be clear. Chow, uh, would you like to guess which one? <laughs> so we've got High Tide and Merchant Scroll up there. And, and the issue yeah. was that these cards in combination looked like they were going to be a Absolutely. problem. So this was kind of like the borderline of the cutoff of where we decided to, to add cards to the ban list. Yeah. And um, you know, we debated between High Tide and Merchant Scroll which of these two we would want legal because we thought having both of them legal in, in combination, it would just be too easy to you know, search up a bunch of High Tides and do mm -hmm. whatever banana stuff you were going to do from there, snapping back you know, Arcane Answers or whatever you're going to do there. Um, so we decided in the end that High Tide was the riskier of the two cards to have legal. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, I will say, it's not obvious that from a power level standpoint, the format can't handle it. But one of the characteristics of Popper is that having only common level effects, it can be really difficult to deal with a combo deck that can win the game in one turn from hand. Mm -hmm. Only certain colors can do that and only with a small selection of cards. So we decided that 
If high tide were to show up in, in large numbers, it would probably be a detriment to the format diversity rather than, hey, here's a new cool deck. So in the end, um, high tide was the card that we decided to add to the banned list. And having done that, we thought that Merchant's role would probably be okay. Mm -hmm. It might show up in other contexts, like you know, a Tron Mystical Teachings type deck might use it, for example, um, or other new decks that people decide to create. But we think it will, the format will probably be able to handle it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, to me, High Tide is a classic what goes right card. Exactly. In here. Right. No one ever is like, with four islands, High Tide, Six mana creature, go right. That's not, right. That's not really a thing you ever see. So um, is that not how you're supposed to use that card? Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, and plus Popper has a long history of like storm esque decks where you're like untapping a bunch of lands and doing stuff. Right. Right. Yep. And yeah. and to be clear, again, like the, this was the borderline here, and there were right. you know I, I spoke to a bunch of Popper aficionados both inside the building and out, and different people had different cases to make one way or the other for this card. But you know, in the end, we had to make a decision and use our best judgment, and this is where we landed. Totally. Okay. Um, and then there's two more cards we're going to add to the ban list. We're going to put them up at the same time. Because they have Chad is pretty much already guessed. They've, they've they nailed are. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Well, not talking about I'm, them I'm earlier. Yeah, that was probably that. a big, uh, a big tip off. But here are the cards. Okay, so sinkhole and him to Turok. Why these two? So cards? this is both a combination of power level and play pattern. Um, him to Turok is just over the line on both of those things. Um, I've played with and against this card a lot. I, I was a big legacy player back in the day, and I love playing Pox style decks. So I've, I've cast a lot of him to Torak in my day. Mm -hmm. um, it is both very powerful just from a raw card advantage standpoint, but also because the discard is random and it's coming down on turn two. Um, a lot of games just end on turn two when you hem your opponent and get their second and third land drops or whatever, and they just can't cast a spell that game. Mm -hmm. um, so both for the combination of the power level and also you know so, some play pattern issues, um, we decided that one was was not going to make the cut as far as legality is concerned. I, too, do not enjoy playing against four copies uh, of Mind Twist yeah, in my opponent's right, hands. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then Sinkhole is actually a little bit more contentious. Um, again, discussed with a lot of, a lot of popper players, and um, there's certainly a case to be made that Sinkhole as a countermeasure to, like, Urzatron lands, for example, mm -hmm. could be something positive, could maybe let, like, a black mid-range deck have more of a way to stop Tron decks from going over the top of them. Um, but that being said, like the splash damage on the rest of the universe of fair and fun magic is pretty high there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, again, both power level and also, you know, getting land destruction on turn two, not the most fun thing in the world. Um, especially including like a dark ritual being legal in the format right. too. Yep. So some pretty explosive draws can happen. Um, so in the end, we thought that would be just net negative fun to add to the format. Well, and mono, mono black is already a very real deck right. in Popper. Mm -hmm. So giving them these two new toys would probably cause issues. Yep. Totally agree. Um, so how much how much deck building, how much theory crafting did you guys do with it? We did what a, new decks? We did a bit. I'll be totally upfront and say we weren't like popper FFLing. We weren't you know, actually building decks and, and playtesting against each other, but we did do a lot of theory crafting and discussion and you know research, read, you know, reading community articles and things like that. Um, and some of the things we think are interesting, we, I mean, we talked about some of the cards already, like Goblin Grenade. Um, another one that comes to mind for me is Ashnod's Altar is mm -hmm. a pretty cool addition to the format. This was printed at Common in Chronicles, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and there may be some sort of combo there involving, like, mirror retrievers or, you know, some sort of sacrificing a bunch of small creatures and casting something big. Um, that's one of those ones where we kind of left it up as a question mark in the air where hey, if this does produce a deck, um, it's probably A, probably not that high of power level um, and fairly disruptable in terms of artifact removal or, or hand disruption or what, whatnot. Um, and that you know, if it does create a new deck, it'll be a very different deck from what we've seen before. Mm -hmm. And we'd rather let that evolution play out. And in the case where we might need to make a change down the road, we're okay with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. one, of the, one of the things I think we should probably clarify to, to our audience is uh, when we say we're unifying mm -hmm. paper and Magic Online, 
the ban list is not going away. Correct. The ban right. list is staying the same. These three cards are cards that are getting added on to the current ban right. list. It's not yeah. just those three yeah. cards. No, there, no. There's... Like the, the current ban list is staying in place. Right. Those cards are still banned. You still can't play with them. We're just adding three on. Yeah. No, no temporal fissures for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we did get the question, is any of this information going to be posted anywhere? Yes, if you head to dailymtg.com. Uh, our news website, you will uh, will be posting an article that has all of the changes in it right there as soon as the stream is done. Uh, speaking of which, we're just about out of time. Uh, I want to make sure to go through a couple things. One, let's recap what the changes are. Uh, first, we're combining the paper and digital pauper formats to one unified pauper format. That's Aww. just everybody, everything that's ever been printed at a common anywhere for any reason is in. Everyone into the pool. Um, Magic Online is going to update their uh, formats on July 2nd. We're going to be adding gatherer support uh, for searching by pauper format on July 9th. Uh, it's going to be sanctionable uh, as a format rather than casual, which is what it's been uh, in the Wizards Event Reporter. Uh, and then we added three cards to the BNR list, which mm -hmm. is High Tide, Sinkhole, and Him to Turok. And again, those are additions to the existing current Magic Online ban list. Yeah. Uh, so we won't be doing... Um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil it now. The <laughs> July 8th BNR announcement will not include any further pauper cards. That is correct. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll be watching it to see what changes, but mm -hmm. uh, for now, this is your new BNR list. Um, and and yeah. I also just want to say... Once again, thanks to all the community members out there who made this possible, like watching the discussions on Twitter and on Reddit and on the professor's videos and at events I visited have been great. So thank you for giving us all this feedback and thanks to Mike Turney and Aaron Forsyth for kind of leading the charge on this um, uh, in the building. So really great work on everyone. Yeah. And now we'll see what happens next. Absolutely. So um, for Weekly MTG, Got a couple cool shows coming up. Next week we're off because it's the 4th of July. American Independence Day. American for those Independence of you Day. Across the pond. Mm -hmm. uh, on July 11th, we're actually going to be. So there's going to be another thing streaming on the, the Magic Channel. Yes. So we are actually moving Weekly MTG to our Facebook stream. Facebook Live. Facebook Live. So Mark Rosewater is going to be on that one. We're going to be talking about uh, M20 yep. stories, which will be fun. Uh, the week after that, so this is a cool show, July 8th. Seb McKinnon's going to be calling into the show. Yeah, I can't cool. wait for that. That's yeah. awesome. Fan yeah. favorite artist, Seb McKinnon. Those were genuine oh, reactions. Yeah. They didn't know that was happening. <laughs> no, they didn't. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stick around and uh, follow the raid to uh, the Professor's channel, which is twitch.tv slash Tolarian Community College. Uh, he's going to be going through the pauper announcement. He's going to be showing off some new decks that are, are for the new format, uh, talking about what might change. He's very excited about all these changes, so definitely cool. tune in to his show. Uh, thanks to Ian and Gavin for showing up. Thanks to Steve for being here as always. And we will see you guys in two weeks. Yeah. Have fun. Take ha care. Happy brewing. Yeah. <laughs>